I'm Al Filreis, and this is Poem Talk at the Writer's House, where I have the pleasure of convening three friends to collaborate on a close but not too close reading of a poem or a few poems. We'll talk, maybe even disagree a bit, and perhaps open up the verse to a few new possibilities, and we hope gain for some poems that interest us, some new readers and listeners. And I say listeners because... Poem Talk poems are available in recordings made by the poets themselves as part of our Penn Sound Archive, writing.upenn.edu slash pensound. Today, I'm joined here in Philadelphia at the Kelly Writers House in our Wexler studio by Kevin Platt, professor of Russian and East European Studies at the University of Pennsylvania, this very institution where he directs the periodic Russian-American Poetry Translation Symposium, Your Language, My Ear, the most recent iteration of which was in April 2022. Am no, I right, or did no, it get it canceled? No, it got canceled. Oh, um, But so we'll sad. come back to that later. Okay. In this very conversation Okay, that we're I'm excited. All right, now let's hope it's a gathering paradise. But anyway, yeah. Your Language, My Ear, a sometimes ongoing program whose scholarly work focuses on Russian poetry, culture, and history, and who is the author or editor of several books, the most recent of which is Global Russian Cultures, and whose book, Border Conditions, and I say it and I can see Kevin tightening up because he's working on it now about Russian culture in Latvia, and we hope it's coming out soon. And by Huda Fakhradin, who teaches Arabic literature here at the University of Pennsylvania, author of Metapoesis in the Arabic Tradition, 2015, and the co-translator of Lighthouse for the Drowning, 2017, and The Sky That Denied Me, 2020, whose book of creative nonfiction, A Small Time Under a Different Sun, was published by Dar al-Nada, Beirut, 2019 whose most recent book, The Arabic Prose Poem, Poetic Theory and Practice, was published in 2020, and who was recently, we are all happy about this, guest editor for a very special issue of the Michigan Quarterly Review, titled Decades of Fire, and by Ahmad Amala, a poet, whose amazing first book of poems, Bitter English, was published by the University of Chicago Press, who's also a specialist in Arabic poetry and has written a book about Arabic love poetry called Pure and Sensual, who's a member of the faculty here at Penn in the creative writing program at the Center for Programs in Contemporary Writing, who had a major essay, a reflection on teaching Arabic poetry in the U.S., published recently in Poetry Magazine, and who, as of this moment, has a fabulous new manuscript of poems, which his fans cannot wait to see published. Ahmad, tell us in a sentence what's happening in that new book of poems. In a sentence, somehow. The Hello. Bo- the border wisdom. Uh... I think deals with uh, trying to write after the mother figure is no longer with us. And it connects that with, of course, the mother tongue, uh, as it, as Bitter English did. So you could say... So it's, it's kind of Bitter English Part 2. It is Bitter English Part 2 in a way. And I've read it in draft, or at least a version. So I would say it's Part 2 and also deeper in, going further. Kevin, I'm going to ask you about your new book at the end during Gathering Paradise, but I would love to hear a word or two about what it is, the Latvia book. The Latvia book? Yeah. Um, well, you know, it it was a book that was trying to make sense of what it is to live between, you know, overhanging hegemonic powers um, and to try and extract something of use from that space. You know, people are sort of stuck in this position um, between information spaces and identities and constructions of history. And for many of them, it's not a very critically useful place to be. It's mm. actually a place of real sort of pain. Mm. Um, for some people, it's a place that can be leveraged to allow certain kinds of border wisdoms. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I thought I had a handle on what was going on. And then a war broke out in Eastern Europe which has changed the stakes of everything there, maybe enriching the book, certainly not enriching people's lives. So many people are suffering in Ukraine, um, but also outside of Ukraine. So many people have been displaced. So many people's lives have been ruined. It's, um, you know, of course, not a new story. There are lots of places in the world where this is going on and has been going on. But 
Um, well, it's fascinating. wrap my head around it right now. Yeah. Well, good luck with it. And you're about to launch on a big leave to finish it. And speaking of leaves, Huda has some time to work on something. Can you briefly say what you're working on since we're on a roll here? What I'm working on now or hoping I'll have time to work on is a third book and it focuses on Um Kulthum, the Egyptian singer, and her relationship with the with traditional or classical Arabic poetic forms. And she is a cultural icon, and I'm interested in her role in translating or curating or reanimating the Arabic qasida, which is the archetypal Arabic poetic form in the 50s, the 60s. Wow, you all sound like such fascinating people. <laughs> and are, indeed. <laughs> Thank you guys for coming. It's good to see you. Well, today, the four of us have gathered here to talk about a series of poems by Matvey Yankalevich, gathered under the title Dead Winter, which was published by Phonograph Editions in early 2022. We'll be discussing four of these poems. And for those Poem Talk listeners who are wise and pause this pause this recording and go out and buy the book, I'll say that the first poem is on page seven, Winter Comes Calling, and these are untitled, I'm just using parts of the first line, Winter Comes Calling on page seven, Winter, Have I Lost Your Thread on page 12, In a Disjunctive Age, Disconsolate Without Connection on page 21, and Winter and One More Mine, sorry, Winter and One More Mine is the other guilt I still haven't said it right, but there you go, on page 27. Our recording of these poems was made by Matvey just for Poem Talk. Here now is Matvey Yankalevich performing four poems from Dead Winter. Winter comes calling while I'm on vacation, autoresponder, etc. The book's not done, mail piled like snow. Of a sudden... Life looks brief, just this mangled foam, this form for which you've spared no part. There might not be a chance to change or quit changing. My blue notebook's sad and modern, so if I write, the self is wispy, sure, but strike that line. They say you can't edit poetry, but I say fuck it. Winter, have I lost your thread, downridden hole around you? I laugh at my poems, scare my friends, see carefree moments in the distance, at what cost? And if I write this backwards, stay time's goose-step march with this superfluous smoke, one more glass of claret, one fragment of a poem, all too poor copy of wild abandon. Without your thighs to burrow, I smell the passing age, quick era passing over me to where it proudly hurries, cold of heart. This penmanship delights in its own decay, downgraded to scribble, a palliative effacement, bathos sutured to my hand. In a disjunctive age, disconsolate, without connection, I lick this postage stamp, a thing that you may not have ever licked. Pulp paper trails the color of cracked walnut shells and cork boards. To write this is to stay up till tomorrow cannot be a day to read about the dead, tear further troubles to have later seems to mend put forth exhaustion from which to recover, tame rhetoric in its wide, trembling circus tent. Word for word for word, I change to pass through night in pace with night, time as if bravely lost, but lost, lost all the same. There's no decision left to make. Choice narrows down the lane, in time, the brooks and soldiers run away from tinny villanelles. Even your name, your status update, divorced, vacating job, collecting dust, disheartened, now deceased, 
means little, if at all, a thing it is to be. Compared to what? Compared to winter's day? The heat of these laughable plastic keys? Winter and once more, mine is the other guilt. From sounding syllables, my head is splitting. All my allotted time, it seems I've wasted on being thorough where no one would notice. Dishes, examining the rain, slowing my prose and rounding down the line against my crooked leaning to fill the void with borrowed rhythms. Like all others, this book too will I regret, not for what I missed in order to make time, for the way it ended. Kevin, pick one of those four to start with. What's the one that's most, I don't know, fecund and gets us going? I don't know. They're all really fecund. <laughs> um, they are so... I'm, what I'm amazed by in all of these poems continuously with Madveh is the ability to somehow renovate a kind of a sincere melancholy um, to make it something that is palatable in a poem without becoming saccharine or, you know, hallmarky. And he does it over and over again in, in these poems. And I'm not quite sure how this last one that you read, you know, mine is the other guilt. There's like guilt you know, piled on guilt on guilt. He's guilty that his guilt is not the right guilt. Um, someone else's guilt or the other guilt, the, the wrong guilt. He's wasted his time, but not even on the right things. Um, In the intro, I couldn't get that first line right. Um, help us with that. Winter and once more, once again, mine yeah. is the other guilt. Can you paraphrase, even though that's not what we're supposed to do? Just that he's... You know, back in the same place again, and it's not the right place. It's not even the right version of the wrong place, right? Mine is the other guilt. Hmm. There's guilt, but it's not the right guilt. It's someone else's. Um, there's a kind of an iterative quality that I think is part of the trick to making, once again, melancholy pilot, you know, sincere and available. It's that it's never quite there where you think it's going to be in these poems. It's not mm -hmm. just sort of a straight lyric poem that expresses sentiment. He's always at one remove from his own sentiments and subjecting them to a certain kind of examination uh, because he's suspicious of them. Uh, but it's that suspicion, I think, which makes them, in fact, available to be felt. Huda, uh, let's go from there. Let's stay with this poem, mm -hmm. the one on page 27. Um, Kevin is surely right that the tone is not insincere or ironic. Um, it is a difficult kind of sincerity. And yet this poem, especially the way it ends, is a meta-poem. And so it's a poem that winds up saying that this, this very book made of these poems that I've been writing through winter, I will regret. So there is some kind of theoretical irony there, mm -hmm. even though it's not a tonal irony. So can you help us? Sincere and yet metapoetic, and I think that's characteristic of every one of the poems. Yeah, every one of the poems. And to uh, borrow some of Kevin's words, not quite there, removed. I mean, there's something about this book that uh, captures the experience of writing, where you're always worried that you missed it, or, the, or you're too late, or you're not exactly on the mark. And he somehow transforms winter into a metaphor of that into this blank or this emptiness that you want to fill the way you do when you sit down to write or you wait for poetry to strike you but there's the risk there is very great because you might just miss it it might knock on the door and you're not there to open and yeah so i think that that is a quality of the entire book, if you were to think of it as one long meditation on winter and poetry at the same time. Uh, so I believe the sincerity and the consciousness or the meta of, of the poems at the same time. Mm. Ahmad, let's continue with this metapoetic stuff and let's focus on the last three lines, if that's all right. So... The book is coming to an end. 27 is our last poem, but it is not the last poem in the collection. But nonetheless, it's beginning 
to dawn on him that the book will end. So he makes a distinction at the end. I regret it not for what I missed in order to make time. And the word but isn't used, but that's the logical implication. But I'm, I regret it for the way it ended. What's that distinction? Does that make any sense? I think for the way uh, it ended to me is uh, usually the regret of the writer when anything he or she writes ends. Uh, because uh, somehow you, you want things to end, but you also don't want things to end. You want to be uh, continually at work. Mm-hmm. continually trying mm. and maybe uh, maybe that's what uh, is meant here maybe that's uh, that what explains a not for what I missed in order to make time making time makes me think of something already mentioned above and also a common theme in this beautifully constructed bunch of lines with its prosody the sounding syllables so in a way, people have traditionally talked about poetry as marking time, making time, marching through the lines. So not for what I missed in order to make time, I guess what life I missed in order to, because I'm stuck in the winter writing poems or something, but for the way it ended. So it is the book of poems. What else might it be? I mean, I'll suggest in it, this book, the, it, I don't know about the four poems we chose but this book is often about a relationship that ended a lover who is away is far away and so if it ended is the relationship then what do we have but the it can also be winter that too i mean this collection of poems or this long poem is really in in a mind of winter in a state of winter and Matvey turns winter into this anticipation of something. Could be poetry, could be some kind of resolution, some kind of spring. But again, who knows how it's going to end? And you can't always guarantee the ending of it. Yeah. Uh, so in the dead of winter, yes, there's a great risk of, of uh, the end not being what you planned it to be. So in the spirit of winter, let's turn to the poem... On page 12, that starts, Winter, have I lost your thread? <laughs> What's he worrying about? <laughs> I mean, this strikes me as the most meta-poetic of the ones we're, we're looking at. And there's this, this reconciliation almost that with the fact that the poem he's writing might end up being a poor copy, an effacement, scribble. Might not, might, poetry might fall short of itself. And there's a lot of regret that will come with that. And sincere melancholy, as, as we said earlier. It's not cynical at all. It's, it's very uh, sincere. And this poem um, captures it. Kevin, what do we do with the opening of this? It's, it's funny. It is really funny. Um, it's hard to lose the thread of winter, to tell you the truth. I mean, like winter is all around you and it's kind of obvious. Um, but here he's worried that he's getting it wrong. Once again, it's like there's so much self-deprecation in these poems, which I think is somewhat key to the way that they, you know, renovate their ability to do things. Um, he's continuously doubting his ability to actually record anything, to keep track of winter, even if winter is, you know, basically a, a fallen state to start with. You know, it's this post-poetic moment all the good poetry happened a long time ago. Here I am trying to do like, you know, something here. Um, the age doesn't care about what I'm doing. It's already moved on. And I'm just trying to recapture something and failing continuously. But it's that melancholic sort of mourning for the ability to actually grab hold of winter in a, like a straightforward way um, that allows us to actually get to this place of you know, yeah. truly accessing this kind of emptiness around us. I find the it very... inability to be expressive is what the, we're in the end expressing yeah. and grabbing hold of and actually identifying with. I find it very charming and attractive. That's probably the wrong word. He's got a project. I have to write poems about winter. I'm going to write a series of poems about winter. 
and it's not working out and I'm doing this thing and I laugh at my own poems and my friends are scared. Like, yeah. what the hell? You know, and here we've lost lover without your thoughts to burrow. So he's missing somebody. But it's that iterative, you know, it's, as you said, it's, there's an ironic uh, consciousness of what he's doing, um, which instead of producing a kind of, I don't know, pose, you know, wearing black and mourning your like lost love, um, turns into something actually very sincere. It's sort of ironic response to an ironic response, which somehow flips the uh, the polarity and turns it into something which is actually acceptable that you identify with. I identify with it deeply, actually. This penmanship delights in its own decay, downgraded to scribble, a palliative effacement, bathos sutured to my hand. Ahmad, as someone who's writing poems and putting together a book, which is very similar to what he's doing, I'm curious your reaction to this poem's use of the one thing he's got as a companion seems to be his own handwriting. <laughs> and then the penship delights in its own decay. So it's become scribbles and he's looking at his poems and saying, what I, what's happening to me? Does this ring a bell? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, the scribbles are everything about the poem. You know, I loved the, the first part where it ends, you know, but strike that line. They say you can't edit poetry, but I say, fuck it. That's the same spirit as what we're talking about. That here. is, yeah, that is. And I think without, without that opening into these, these poems, we would have not been uh, hooked uh, to understand these poems the way we are understanding them as kind of ironic being, fl the irony being flipped into sincerity. And uh, and I think that first, the, the trap of the first poem is what makes the entire book a kind of a sincere reflection on that first gesture. Like, how, how can I turn this irony into sincere emotions and capture all of that? And I, and I love that about this book. I mean, it it, it really it really works. That's <laughs> that's the beautiful thing about it. I want to ask all of you how, and this is something Kevin brought up. How can he avoid seeming simply maudlin? My blue notebook, sad and modern. I mean, come on. He gets away with it at the end because he says, "So I write, and I write a phrase: the self is wispy, which is hilarious." You know. Sure, but strike that line, and of course we get the line. And then, as Ahmad was saying, you can't edit poetry, but fuck it. <laughs> maybe that. Maybe I've answered my own question, but I'd love for each of you to take a stab at this because it's this is so beautifully written, and you're always thinking, how does he get away with this in 2021 or 2022? Yeah, it's once again, it's this gesture of like crossing out and crossing out and crossing out, which I think matches up with this. You know, let's you know try it. And then ironize on it. And then, like, notice how, like, what a pose that irony is and cross that out, too. If I write, the self is wispy um, in italics, right? It's actually someone else's words. It's not even his. So right. let's distance it from the start. Self is wispy. It sounds like something out of a creative writing workshop. It's exactly. like not going the right direction. Um, sure. But strike that line. So we'll cross it out. But then, no, we'll unstrike that. You say you can't edit poetry, but I say, well, maybe you can, but maybe you can't. We're just going to leave it there and see all of these, like, yes, no, no, yes, yes, no. And so it becomes like, formally well, innovative. Well, is the self-wispy or not? And experimental, yeah. despite the impulse. Yes. You know, which is, who does this ring a bell? Yeah, it does. And I think he does get away with it because he does something that, again, Kevin mentioned, which is renovation. I mean, language is renovated in these poems to create these sentences that trip you up, that, you know, are difficult to say, that you need to read word for word for word and then look back for them to materialize. You have to take them in in their in retrospect. And those, I think, uh, uh, pull everything together and, and make it very experimental and new and uh, fascinating, really. And in this poem that we're looking at, I love this line, to write is to stay up till tomorrow cannot be a day to read about the dead and then comma and other things that will not be done 
The day will not be a day to do the list of things that he lists for you. So as if he's, he's, he's pointing to the fact that writing or attempts of writing creates in its wake this consuming emptiness where days become not days anymore. So again, similar to striking out something and then striking out its replacement and then replacing is what keeps this so fresh and so, so fascinating. Yeah, I, I mean, I would add to that that I think uh, these attempts at what Huda called renovating language are uh, kind of a move away from tone as the center of the poem. Hmm. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, he's uh, working with sort of the traditional ideas of, of poetry, of like counting syllables and, and all of this, that uh, it seems like we've moved away from all of that. But then he's employing them uh, in, a, in, a, in a, a, a modern sense or using the language that is available to him uh, in a way where it kind of sounds just uh, contemporary, part of the language that this person actually uses, but also something else. And I think that's what you want to capture in a poem. You don't want to put things as they are. And, uh, and uh, yeah, the move away from tone uh, is, I think, uh, very calculated here. Uh, and uh, he hints at that by using these kind of te technical uh, methods of, of putting the language together in a way where you're signaling that you are putting the language together. Mm -hmm. There's a kind of a... there's. I like what both of you have said about this. There's a nice alternation in this poem between syntactically very difficult lines and then ones which are just silly. He's like not afraid of being silly. Mm -hmm. um, and then coming out with things, this like, how does he save that first, you know, very, you know, risky move, you know, very banal, in a disjunctive age, disconsolate, <laughs> without connection. Yeah. And then it gets bad. I lick this postage stamp. But then it gets even worse. You know, a thing that you may not have ever licked. These things just don't go together. It's like this sort of odic sort mm -hmm. of start that then turns into licking a postage stamp, which that seems a little parodic. And then a thing that you may not have ever licked, even more parodic. It's like something, I'm not, it's like this, those two lines that, it's, it reads like a perfect um, sort of parody of fancy poetry. Mm -hmm. um, you could do that on Saturday Night Live. You're like fake poet. Saying, it's like <laughs> it's, it's silly. But then it suddenly gets really hard and it somehow saves what's going on. Pulp paper trails the color of cracked mm -hmm. walnut shells and cork boards. And then that one that Huda read, which is just impossible. It's like, how do we like make sense of this? To write this is to stay up till tomorrow cannot be a day to read about the dead. Tear further troubles to have later seams to mend. Put forth exhaustion from which to recover. Tame rhetoric in its wide trembling circus tent. All things that will not be done. It's yeah. a day to not do this. <laughs> None of this. Word for word for word. Yeah. yeah, this is really an yeah. amazing poem. Yeah. I, I would love us, in the spirit of Ahmad's talking about um, the contemporary and even banal daily mixed with, you know, the traditional rhetoric of poetry. And Kevin's just mentioning this poem and the way it begins. I would love us together to do a collaborative close reading of the last four lines or three and a half lines of this poem. I'll read it and we'll start with Huda. Um, we have the status update and then a list of possible status updates, which is probably, you know, Facebook or some other social media platform. And then we have the Shakespearean com compared to Winter's mm -hmm. Day, of course, referring to, shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Here it is. Even your name, your status update, divorced, vacating job, collecting dust, disheartened, now deceased, means little, if at all, a thing it is to be. Compared to what? Compared to winter's day? The heat of these laughable plastic keys? 
go anywhere with that. Yeah, start, start I don't know. Off. I don't know what to do with the pla- the laughable plastic keys. Oh, I, I, I totally do. Yeah. Can I? Yes, please. Because he's typing this damn thing, and he's the the laptop with its plastic keys are laughing at him. Laughing at him. It's a meta reference, I think. Yeah. You know, after the Shakespearean. Mm. I'm just writing this thing. Anyway, sorry, I just did the job I asked you to do. You did, you did. But I think what, what uh, again, uh, holds these lines together is if, means little if at all a thing it is to be, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's another one of these renovated, yeah. <laughs> reno- we're calling them renovated <laughs> phrases or lines, right? So he's asking, what does it all mean, right? Uh, and then he gives you this line that you are tempted to sit with you're content with, you don't want anything else. No winter's day or summer's day or plastic keys. I'm happy to, to just leave this poem with means little, if at all, a thing it is to be. <laughs> all right, who's I mean, next? You, you forgot to uh, read from Tinny Villanelle's. Yeah, uh, that's And then great. that moves, <laughs> which is great. That moves to even your name, your status update. I mean, I just, that, that... <laughs> That combination and one line of poetry is brilliant mm. <laughs> to call, you know, to use tinny for villanelles. That's, that's the first, first part. And then uh, to move to the status update, I think, is, is, is beautiful. I mean, that's kind of, you know, combining uh, the, the, the uh, classical form uh, with... The language of the age, which is the status update, very nicely done. I mean, I I, I don't know how how more uh, uh, generous with our <laughs> uh, well, and the Shakespearean that's yeah. being cited here is a love poem, and I keep reading this book as in part uh, a set of missives or notebook entries that could be letters to the missing lover. This is certainly that because there's a. There's, it's being mailed off with a stamp in a way, you know, and then we get to the, shall I compare thee to a winter's day? Oh, my God, what problem do I have? Kevin, you want to take it from here on those last lines? Just it's, once again, this alternation of um, sort of mood. He's like really not afraid to be comic and serious at the same time. And it's that, you know, bathos sutured to his hand that, you know, is it bathos or is it sutured to your hand? Like, mm. who knows? Um, but divorced. These are great status updates. Divorced. Okay. Vacating job, right? Okay. Collecting dust. <laughs> <laughs> Disheartened. Now deceased. It's like, and it's, are we supposed to laugh at that last one or, or not? All it's these like things a, are so possible a, in social media, of course, because there are yeah. people who have Facebook accounts who are no longer here. Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> status Someone update. puts in now deceased. Yeah, exactly. That's my status Absolutely. update. Yeah. Even your name, your status update, divorced, vacating job, collecting dust, disheartened, now deceased, means little, if at all, a thing it is to be. Compared to what? Compared to Winter's Day? Can I ask all of us to find in any of the four poems a phrase or a line that contributes to our sense that Matvey is going against the mode, or going against his own mode, is trying something different, uh, or is trying this sincerity, we're calling it, for lack of a better word. Find some stuff in here that I have helps a line. with that. Please. Yeah, my, my, my line, which captures much of what we've already discussed, is being thorough where no one would notice. And where, where, which poem is that? This in? is, winter and once more mine is the other guilt. 27. So time, it seems, I've wasted on being thorough where no one would notice. Mm. I mean, this is really about the sincerity we were talking about earlier, being looking, looking for something in places that might seem empty, uh, staying up and writing a poem until tomorrow is no longer a day that I could do that list of things. That's, that is really a definition of poetry in the the best metapoetic form, wow. being thorough wow. where no one would notice. When we heard that for the first time, I'm looking straight at Kevin, just so everybody knows that. And I, you, you reacted like you were moved by that. The dishes, 
examining the rain, slowing my prose. You had a positive response to that as a thoroughness that nobody would notice. Why? This one seems to be to be less tricky than some of the others um, in terms of the way it dismisses itself. Mm-hmm. Um, or more straightforward in the way that it is. It just like comes out and tells us that that's what it's all about, right? It's like, I, you know, I've been trying to do this knowing that I'm wasting my time and your time, not even wasting my time in a way which can be recognized as the gesture of wasting time by anyone but me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to regret this book mm-hmm. not for the all the things that I didn't do in order to like make time to write the book, um, but for the fact that I can't do that anymore, I was like I'm not allowed to procrastinate anymore because it's over. Um, so it's this regret of regret of regret. It doesn't actually get anywhere, mm. and that's what allows it to feel so authentic and real. That it's not a pose. He doesn't allow himself to adopt a pose mm. before like looking at it and saying, "Oh, that's stupid. Mm. Let me try that again." Oh, wait, that was. That was a fake. Oh, my God. It's like the whole thing is a fake. What do I do? Mm. Well, I'll just leave it on the page and wallow in it. Mm. Yeah. Or or at, at, the other thing that I think uh, Matvey is doing is presenting poetry in the uh, parts of life uh, that we probably don't want to admit to offer poetry. Uh, because, you know, being a poet is an actual pose. You know, the poet uh, sits on a table with a pen in the hand and scribbles stuff, and, and that's not really how poetry works. It's, uh, it's yeah, sometimes it's, uh, it's just the simple act of, of, of doing nothing and not being noticed by the world. So doing the dishes and writing poems are in the same category, yeah, isn't that? Yeah, isn't I that think true? So. That's how you yeah, feel, right? That's how I feel. That's really how I how I feel. It's. Uh, uh, I think Matvey is put, putting like more emphasis on the l- life of a poet being connected in all of its parts. Like this, this, uh, this pose of the poet as uh, someone who just orders language on a page or orders words on a, on a page is is not real uh there's also the life that the the poet is is living and that's what offers the poet the uh, most of the material that the poet needs it's also like a poet of a certain generation and we were talking a little bit earlier about irony and there is you know, like 20 or so years ago when, or maybe 30 years ago when Matvey was beginning to write, um, it really was the age of irony, but irony as a kind of a power pose, right? It's like you, like the emancipatory force of recognizing that there is no, you know, writing degree zero or whatever, that everything is borrowed language. And, but that was like a really like fancy power pose that people took, you know, you'd like dress up and go to theory night and like wear, you know, <laughs> smoke clothes, cigarettes and all of that stuff. And then here it's about sort of the recognition that that is a borrowed pose in and of itself. It's one which doesn't get you anywhere. Um, and then you get these, a number of like sort of sincere admissions to this. That's how, I, that's how actually how I read this, like rounding down the line against my crooked leaning to fill the void with borrowed rhythms, right? It's that, that is the pose that he's writing against, mm-hmm. the yeah. crooked leaning to fill the void with borrowed rhythms. That's how people wrote 30 years ago, maybe how Madve wrote 30 years ago. And you've got to like whittle that down, push it back, and just admit that you regret that you can't actually occupy that pose in a sincere way, that the only sincerity you have is the regret. But it's also, we've, we've discussed this regret as the regret of the poem having been finished, right, ended. But he also says for the way it ended. So also the emphasis on sometimes things turn out not the way you wanted them to be. And again, so you don't say it's stupid. You, you just wallow in the fact that you missed. This, this, the, the risk of missing, not hitting the target, is, it consumes this book, I think, from the entire, the entire collection. And here, he also admits it or reconciles with the fact that 
the way things are also is going to be regrettable. <laughs> I think he's he's feeling as he does this project, he's feeling rather alone. I think he's feeling isolated. And of course, that's winter tends to do that. He's also writing a book tends to do that. Mm. Um, but also it goes beyond that. He's feeling like he's out of sorts and he's in, in a mode. Uh, to quote a poem we didn't discuss, another one of the poems. My task, my cross, to reassemble winter's memory. Each fingernail, each checker on my shirt, each knot of knits, each follicle, and every cone, doors shut at my inquirer. In other words, <laughs> I see him going around saying to, you know, he, there's another poem where he says, I don't go to, I keep getting inviting part, invited to winter parties, but I'm not going. I assume it's like Christmas parties. He says, I'm not pro anything. I'm just speaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it's very funny, but he also seems, he also s took on a project that would make him alone. Mm. And that's why we get all this stuff about the in in an age of disjunction. I I don't know much about Russian literature, modern Russian, but it's that one is so Russian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels very Russian, almost, but also kind of a posed Russian, like it's posed like Russian, right? Erotic right, Russian. Right. <laughs> like, but you know the idea that Doris shut at like my inquiry. He's got this project Russian. that he wants to do, and it is so not right for the moment. <laughs> you know I really like that sticking to his guns his cross his task and his cross is to reassemble Winter's memory and he can't get in the door in the poetic world he's alone alright we could go on forever talking about this wonderful poetry what I'd like to do is go around and ask you for a final thought something that you wanted to say today but haven't had a chance to yet who did you have something I go back to what struck me most about the collection is this language that's defamiliarized, that's not posing again, that's that's fresh and that's renovated, as we called it. And you called it opposed Russian or something about it sometimes feels Russian. I like the fact that it doesn't roll off easily, doesn't roll off your tongue easily. It feels translated in the best way, meaning and it is trying to, to capture something that is there, is there or is not. Uh, so I find the language very refreshing. Thank you. Kevin, your final thought? I agree with Huda. Um, but it's it's really the way, it's this question about how the mechanism as a whole works of these poems in order to allow those particular moments to actually hit you. If you had a whole poem that was written in this extraordinarily complex, challenging way, it wouldn't work at all. It's the way these things kind of emerge unexpected out of all of the, um, you know, cited language and s uh, suspected failures and comical, laughable moments. It's the second line of this, the winter I've lost your thread is another one. It's downwritten whole around you. Mm -hmm. What does it mean for the thread of winter to be downwritten whole around you? It's hard. It's really hard language. It makes you think. Um, but it, you wouldn't get that if you didn't have immediately afterwards. I laugh at my poems, scare my friends, see carefree, moment, carefree moments, and it's at what cost. Um, so, yeah. Ahmad, final thought? I mean, we've uh, d dealt with these as kind of individual poems in a collection. And... Uh, What's really special about this book is I think you can't really separate uh, pieces from one another. It's it's kind of a long poem. It's and uh, I think the first section uh, kind of uh, lays down the trap, and then it really kind of keeps working with the same, with the or builds on. That first gesture, uh, yeah, I feel like the fuck it there is is a trap, and uh, and uh, Matvey goes through uh, every possible uh, trick to uh, uh, this uh, deconstruct the the gesture, uh, and that in 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 the way produces very fresh language. 
so I think he's very sincere uh, to his own attempts. That's why we have the fresh language, because uh, he's not also trying too hard. He's, he's also sticking to uh, this idea that I uh, mentioned, playing with the language of the day-to-day life and, and inserting like these poetic uh, uh, gestures that are kind of forced upon him. And, and that creates the, the major tension that makes these poems really uh, sincere uh, and uh, fresh. That's great. I really think it's important, though possibly he published some of these separately. There are little indications of poem changes, but you're encouraging us to read the book as a series, and I think that's the way to read it because he's really meditating. Um, My final thought is this. Uh, I wrote a review of this book. Uh, partly because someone, uh, uh, an editor, heard uh, our conversation from the spring, from six months ago or eight months ago, and approached me and said, would you like to write a review? And I was happy to do that. And what I did to prepare the review was to mine this book for all the references to poetic modes that were trendy that he didn't like. Or that's being too precise about it because there are other times where he's simply saying, I'm not... I'm not doing that. I'm not doing what's expected at all. So I wanted to, for my final thought, just to quote part of a poem in which he does that. It's the spring snow poem. Spring snow or winter doesn't know when to go. Dogs are like kids or the other way around. Wander around leaving more out or most of it. But then why elevate what's left to music? Poetry is no more than genre. Avant-garde's a style. They've got horror sitcom poems at a bargain. I don't buy me another genre. Try it on for size. That shackles make a self. Some jailbreak need to feel it chafe. Can you get to what? Go ahead. Get down while I get under it. That's just really terrific um finding his finding his own way well we like to end poem talk with a minute or two of gathering paradise which is a chance for us to spread wide our narrow dickinsonian hands to gather a little something really poetically good to hail or commend someone or something going on in the poetry world or the music world or the film world or the critical theory world or who's got one anybody up for this i've got one yes so this is a book I, I haven't read in its entirety yet, but I'm very excited about it. It's by Khalid El Tanay, who's one of the contributors uh, in the Decades of Fire, the special issue of the Michigan Quarterly. And the book is called is titled The Moral Judgment of Butterflies. It's his first collection of poems. He's a Sudanese poet who writes in English and lives in Granada. And say the poet's name again. Khalid El Tanay. And you can find that, one of those pieces, I think, in, in the Decades issue. of Fire. Yes. Great. Kevin. So um, I'm circling back, as I said I would, to the Your Language, My Year. We were going to do it in the spring and bring a bunch of uh, experimental Russian poets here. Um, Russophone poets, I should say, because they're not all from Russia. They're from all over the place, but right in Russian. And, you know, do a lot of translation with a lot of great people here, poets and translators, etc. But it didn't happen because of the war in Ukraine, which made everything impossible. Uh, but we are going to do the event um, with the help of Pan America um, in Armenia in October. Wow. Um, Probably nothing is going to be live streamed from there because of all kinds of concerns, uh, but we're going to record the, the fruits of our work. Um, so that'll be a recording of, you know, freshly translated experimental poetry by Russophone poets from all, all over the place. Um, and there'll probably be a, a book that'll come out of it as well to be published by Deep Vellum uh, sometime next year. So keep your eye out for that, your language, my year. And keep your ear out of, for it too. Pen and also Pen America. That's very exciting. And where can people find the recordings of previous installments? 
Where else but at Penn Sound? <laughs> Penn Sound. You really, everybody listening to this should go immediately. Your language, my ear. There's some great stuff in there. Ahmad Almala. Including you, Matvey yeah. Kalevich. That's actually, right. Some of his translations. That's right. He's been um, here for that. Yeah. Ahmad Almala. What, can you gather some paradise for us? Yes. I wrote a blurb for uh, a new collection uh, that has uh, been translated uh, into English from France by the Palestinian uh, uh, poet uh, Olivia Elias. Uh, it's called uh, Chaos Crossing, and it's uh, coming out uh, from uh, World Poetry Press. So uh, look out for that. It's a, it's a really great collection. Thank you. World Poetry Press, where Matvey Yankovic works. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. all coming around. The connections are actually quite crucial, aren't they? Yeah. Um, my Gathering Paradise, uh, I mentioned Decades of Fire in my introduction of Huda, and then Huda just mentioned it uh, because I uh, wanted to feature a poet that's in it. So I just want to invite, I want to seed my time back to Huda to tell us a little bit about Decades of Fire. I own a copy. I think it's even inscribed by you. I'm very happy to have it. It's a remarkable thing. I don't think anything's quite been done like that, and certainly not recently in English. Tell us about it. Like that, it has been done many times, sadly. The idea of, you know, reducing all of the Middle East into one issue or one volume and saying, here, here you go, this is the poetry of of this fictional place that we call the Middle East. So what we tried to do in this issue is to challenge that. Uh, at least that's what I tried to do in the introduction to the issue. And we tried to showcase how what we call the Middle East is not really one place, but many places. It's many traditions. It's many languages. It's also multiple diasporas, including a large community of American or a large community of American writers who are burdened with concerns of the Middle East. So English is also one of its languages. So I hope we succeeded in doing that, in like distorting or shaking up or um, uh, challenging uh, some of the stereotypes and the established images and ideas about this region. And it's easy to find and acquire, right? If you just use a search engine to find Decades of Fire, Michigan quarterly review will mm -hmm. be selling it. I'm sure it's available on Amazon as well and some other places. Yeah, and I think it can be ordered through the website, the Michigan Quarterly Reviews website. Fantastic. Well, that's all the wispy selves we have time for on Poem Talk today. Poem Talk at the Writer's House is a collaboration of the Center for Programs in Contemporary Writing, the Kelly Writer's House at the University of Pennsylvania, and the Poetry Foundation poetryfoundation.org. Thanks so much to my guest, Kevin Platt, who's about to take off on a year's leave. It's good to see you. We won't see you again for a while. Huda Fekrudin and Ahmad Almala and to Poem Talks director and engineer today, Zach Cardner, and to Poem Talks editor, the same amazing Zach Cardner. Next time on Poem Talk, I'll be talking with Pierre Joris, Charles Bernstein, and Jerome Rothenberg coming from the other coast about one of the tablet poems by Armand Schwerner. Amazing. This is Al Filreis, and I hope you'll join us for that or another episode of Poem Talk. <laughs>